Now, this is part two of a teaching that I began last week. Applying Christ's sacrifice for healing, step by step. Applying the sacrifice of Christ for your healing, step by step. Now, I do encourage you to go back and listen to last week. There's some things there that we will not be able to cover today. Now, the, object, the objective of today's teaching is for you to know how to apply the eight elements of the sacrifice of Christ and the sacrifice of Christ in general for your healing, for your healing generally, and even for your healing specifically, some specific illness that you might be dealing with. Now, and that's irregardless of what it is you're dealing with, irregardless of if the illness that you're dealing with is one that has been there for years, that is long-term. Or if the illness or disease that you are dealing with is supposedly hereditary. Or as the medical science might call it, might say, it's terminal. Or if it's minor. Doesn't matter what it is. What I want you to grasp today is how, you are, how God has made it available for you to apply the sacrifice of Christ. And no matter what illnesses you're dealing with, what stage it is at, the sacrifice of Christ has all of the power to set you free and to cause you to be healed and to be made whole. Now, what am I talking about when I'm talking about the eight elements of the sacrifice? Basic, what I'm talking about is this. You know, we talk about the sacrifice, and quite often when we think about the sacrifice of Christ, of course, we think about Jesus going to the cross, and we think about, his, uh, about him being, and we talk about the cross, and we speak about his death, and we may speak about his blood. But let's, let's, but let's gather it all together. Technically speaking, and it's important, because each element of the sacrifice has slightly different applications. Now, there are eight elements of the sacrifice. Number one, the fact that Jesus died. Number two, that he was buried. Number three, that he resurrected. Number four, that he ascended to the Father's right hand. Number five, that he shed his blood. Now, I'm going to come to the other three, but let me say this as well. Here is the deal. Every single human being, God placed you and I in Christ. So the scripture says in Colossians 2 verse 12, that by the faith of the operation of God, you were placed in Christ. The entire human race was placed in Christ. It says in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, Know ye not that as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death, and you were buried with him by baptism. Not only that, but it also says in Ephesians 2, verse 5, that while you were yet sinners... He was, you were made alive together with him. You were resurrected with him. And then in Ephesians 2 verse 6, you were made to sit together with him in heavenly places. And according to the word of God, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their sins and trespasses to them. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19. In other words, by virtue of the blood. So those first those first five elements of the sacrifice, Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and his shed blood, applies to every human being. In other words, it's not only what God did for us, it's not only that what Jesus, not only that Jesus died and what God did for us, but it's what he did with us in that you and I were in him. 
Now, what happens is when someone receives Jesus as Savior and Lord because they believe in their heart that God had raised Jesus from the dead, in other words, they believe that sacrifice, and then they confess him as Lord and Savior, the Scripture says they are born again and they are saved. Now, when you become born again, because you believe the dead, burial, resurrection, essential, and you've been washed by the blood, here comes the sixth element of the sacrifice, which is now that you are born again, the authority of the name of Jesus belongs to you. Now, the name of Jesus does not belong to the one that does not receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. Acts the sons of Sceva. All right? But also, too, because you're born again, you are also received, number seven, the life of Christ. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, you've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless you live, yet it's not you, but it's Christ that liveth in you. And the life you not live in this flesh is the life of Christ, and you live it by the faith of the Son of God. Colossians 3 verse 3 and 4 says, you are dead, and your life has been hid with Christ in God, and when Christ, who is your life, shall appear. So you see, the seven, the seven element of the sacrifice of Christ for the one that is already born again is, A, he has the name of Jesus, and then number seven, he has the life of Christ. And then number eight, the word and the promises of God belongs to you because you are joined heir with Christ and an heir of God. So all the promises are yes and amen. God gives unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you may be partaker of his divine nature. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4. So therein are the eight elements of the sacrifice. Death, burial, resurrection, ascension, his shed blood. And for those that accept him as Savior and Lord, the authority of his name, the life of Christ, and the word and the promises of God. Amen. All right, so what we are talking about here is regardless of what illnesses that, that one may be facing, whether it's severe, whether it's minor, makes no difference. The sacrifice of Christ has been, the, the sacrifice of Christ has already been accomplished, has already been done, and in that sacrifice, coming out of that sacrifice, is any and everything you need so that you could be made whole, irregardless of, the, of what the doctor has to say, irregardless of, of, of the severity of it or lack thereof. All right, now, having said that, the issue of understanding is very, very important. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3 and 4 says, Through wisdom, the house is built, but through understanding, it is established, and through knowledge, the rooms are filled with plenty. The issue of understanding is critical. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 15 says, Good understanding gains favor, which means what? Good understanding gains the grace of God, gains the sufficiency of God. Good understanding puts you in a position where the grace and the favor of God can flow and manifest in your life. But on the other hand, the way of the unfaithful, in other words, the one that is without faith, the one that is a transgressor, in other words, he lacks understanding and he is violating the principles by which the system works. The one who violates, who is a transgressor, that is not working with the program, that is not walking in line with the principles, with the understanding, his way is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. You cannot expect to violate the rules and the principles concerning gravity and expect it to work for you. Well, you cannot violate the rules and the principles concerning divine healing and concerning the things of the kingdom of God and expect the kingdom of God to work for you. So, what is the point? The point is 
Good understanding will gain you favor. And the point is, as it says in Proverbs 4, verse 7, wisdom is the principal thing. And therefore, get wisdom. And in all of your getting, get understanding. You get understanding. Because you see, when you have understanding, then you're going to know what to do. Doing takes understanding. Get understanding. Get the comprehensive insight into God's ways and God's purposes and how he does things. Amen? That's what we're talking about. Finding out how God work, how, how this stuff works. Find out how God does things. Find out what God's ways. And when you can find out God's ways and line up with him, then guess what? G- guess what? Here is what happens. Now, now, those very th- now all things, things become possible to you. When you know how the program works, then the program can work for you. The kingdom of God works for you. That is why it says, Jesus said, it is given unto us to know what are the keys of the kingdom, to know what are the mysteries of the kingdom. God wants you and I to have understanding. So let's get understanding of some fundamental some fundamentals that are necessary in order for you to apply the sacrifice of Christ with confidence and get a hold of your healing and even live in a place where you do not have to be sick. Amen? All right. This stuff is not by accident. You got to know what you're doing. And the principles are there. They, are, they, were, they were hidden, but they are here for us, for our benefit. All right. Now, all things. Now, let's turn our attention to God for a moment. God, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God. The one that lives outside of time. The one that is all-powerful. All things are possible with God. That's easy to believe. All things are possible for God. What God cannot do does not exist. There is nothing that God cannot do. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. And there is, because he's so all-powerful, capture this thought. There is no such, there is no degree of difficulty to God. Amen? (laughs) You know, sometimes we talk about, oh, this demon is a tough demon. This one is a weak demon. There ain't no weak, strong demon where God is concerned. The name of Jesus is above every name. There is no degree of difficulty with God. God who's omnipotent and omnipresent. For that reason, Jeremiah 32 verse 17 says, Oh Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens, the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Let me give you some examples from the word in the area of healing. There was a layman, and this is recorded in Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 10, that had never walked from his mother's womb. From the time he was born, he was lame all the days of his life. Peter and James were on the way into the temple, and he was begging at the gate of beautiful, and he was begging, expecting to receive something. And Peter said, look on us. And then what happened, the end of the story is he got delivered, he got healed. And you could go read the account. 40 years, never walked. He was healed. How long it was didn't matter. Luke chapter 13 and verse verse 12, there was a woman. She was bowed over for 18 years. She probably had arthritis. She probably had some kind of 
curvature of the spine, some kind of, what do they call it, MS or something like that, for, for, thir- for 18, for 13 years, sorry, 18 years, she was healed and stood upright. There was a woman with an issue of blood in Mark chapter 5, verse 25 to 34. For 12 years, she had had an issue of blood. We don't know what it was. It could have been some kind of form of cancer of some sort. She was completely healed. There was a man that was a little bit, that, that, um, that had very little mobility. He was, there was this, there was this, there was this um, lake of the Sea of Beth, was it Bethsaida? Anyway, where, where an angel would come and disturb the water once a year and whoever got in first would be healed. And he was there for 38 years. For 38 years, he was immobile. He was, his mobility was extremely limited. And John chapter 5, verse 5 to 9, revealed how God, how Jesus healed him and delivered him. And he was made completely whole. And then there was Peter, mother-in-law. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 14 and 15, that had a fever. Well, you say a fever might not be a big thing. She got healed. So it doesn't matter whether you're dealing with a fever. It doesn't matter whether it's a cold, common cold. It doesn't matter whether it's arthritis, diabetes, or if it's stage 4 cancer, or if it's a situation where it had been there for decades. It is not beyond the power of God and the healing power that, as we're going to see, comes through the sacrifice. Amen? All right. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Here was another case. Luke chapter 22, verse 50 and verse 51. When they came to arrest Jesus, and, 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 and um, Peter took his sword and cut off a man's ears, a man named Malchus, who was the servant of the, of the high priest. Cut off his ears. Chopped his ears off. And guess what happened? Jesus touched his ear, and he was healed immediately. So it doesn't matter how serious, how long-standing. The power of God is available to heal them all. So, okay. Now, Jesus was anointed, the scripture says, with the Holy Ghost and with unlimited power. And he healed who? He healed all, not some, all that were oppressed by the devil, number one. All of them that were sick, they were oppressed by the devil. Who was behind it? The devil. Number two, how many of them did he heal? All of them. John chapter 3 verse 34 reveals that Jesus had the Holy Ghost without power. And Acts 10 verse 38 is the verse I'm referring to. Where he healed all that were oppressed to the devil because God was with him. God, he was, God had anointed him with the Holy Ghost. All right. Now, the fact is this. It did not matter... If the illness was minor, if the illness is major, you see, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. It matters, but it doesn't matter. Of course it matters to you, but it doesn't matter in the sense that how it is, how long it's been there, the depth, the dimension, what they say is curable, none of that matters. What matters is that the power of God that is available to you through the sacrifice is available to bring you complete and total healing, and I want you to begin to receive it. I want you to begin to let your faith rise up, for faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, so that you can believe that that your six days are over. It didn't matter. It didn't matter with God because there is no difficulty with God. There is no degree of difficulty. With God, nothing is too hard. Now, because of our humanity and because of the limitations of our humanity, hear me now, and because of the objections 
and the reasoning and the five physical senses, we experience degrees of difficulty. And we limit the manifestation of the power of God to heal. But it is not because God is limited. We limited. But now, for that reason, you see, because we are trapped, here we are, and we function in according to what it looks like, what it feels like, what it hears like, according to the five physical senses, therein, and then our reasoning and our, our, our logic comes from there, it puts us in a place where whatever is happening physically, we end up with a, with a calculated pessimism. And we aren't able to believe God. I mean, here is Abraham, a hundred years old, and he and he, and he is he his body is dead. Sarah, his wife is in her nineties; she is barren. According to the, uh, when you if you Google, if you talk to the doctor, they are all going to say this is an impossible situation. In other words, then there is a calculated pessimism, and it comes primarily from those five physical senses and the logic and the reasoning that comes from it. And therein is the limitation that comes to one's ability to believe God from that from that human dimension. However, for that reason, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. God has dealt unto us another thing. It's called faith. That faith is outside of the five physical senses. It is for the realm of the unseen. Here is the deal. Just to understand how this works. If you had a, if you are a child, you heard the voice of your child screaming in pain, what do you do? Do you think, well, I don't see them hurt. Do you consult with your smell? I don't smell them hurt. Do you cons consult with, with, with what? With, with your taste? I can't taste them being hurt. No. You take that one sense that you got from your hearing. My child's tongue's hurt. And you go to action and you ignore the other four senses. Why? Because that one sense becomes dominant. Well, here, God, but all five of those senses is for this physical realm. But now God has given us a sense. It's called the sixth sense. And it's called faith. And it is to operate so that you can see the unseen. A realm in which the five physical sense cannot function. This is what happened when Adam fell. And his eyes were open, yes. But his eyes were open and the physical realm became exceedingly real and dominant. And he became dead and blind in the realm of the unseen. Well, when you are born again, God gives to every one of us this measure of his own kind of faith. Romans chapter 12 verse 3. So that you can believe the unseen. Here you are, if you're born again, you believe in a Jesus that you've never seen. You are ready to be accused, criticized, persecuted, and you never saw Jesus. You believe your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You never saw the Lamb's Book of Life. You never saw the cross. You never saw the blood. How come? Because you've got faith. Now, the way this faith operates is you are to believe God based on his word, based on his integrity, in spite of any kind of information that comes from your five physical senses or reasoning. That's what faith is about. Are you with me? Now, God has given you this ability, this grace of faith. We have received the same spirit of faith according as it is written, we believe and therefore speak. So you must dare to operate and let that faith work for you. Why? Because you see, that faith that God has given unto you removes the limitation and brings you in a place where you could come in agreement with a God with whom all things are possible. Mark chapter 9 verse 23 says you, that, it, that if Jesus says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Why? Because when you believe, that believing 
When you believe and you believe like God, you are putting yourself in agreement with God with whom all things are possible who don't have those limitations. Are you with me? All right. You are, so when you believe, when you operate in that measure of faith, you are putting yourself in a place where you are in agreement with a God that is omnipotent, omniscient, with whom nothing is too hard. And now the impossible becomes your possibility. Are you with me? All right, let's move on. Now, sickness and disease is a direct result of Adam's fall. There were several consequences when Adam disobeyed God, obeyed the devil, and ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Several of them. Number one, he broke fellowship with God. And all of a sudden now, didn't know he was afraid. For the first time, there was fear. And now he was hiding. He was ashamed. And then he's blaming. Blaming Eve. Bl- she made me do it. Eve is blaming the Adam, is blaming the devil, etc., etc. And, and uh, there is no responsibility. There is guilt. There is separation. There is insecurity. There is fear. But then now you see, not only that, but that separation from God. Jesus, God had said, the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. You're going to be separated from me. And now it says in Romans 5 verse 12, By one man, Adam, sin entered the world, and death, true sin. And that death spread to all men because all sin. So you see, the consequence of the fall was death. But let me say something. Sickness is death in slow motion. Sickness is limited death. Are you with me? Sickness is the pathway to... So, so, then, so in other words then, sickness and disease would never have been in the human race if Adam hadn't fallen. It's a consequence of the fall. Say, because of the fall. So when Jesus died, he did not just die for the sins. He died to undo all the works of the devil. He died not only, for, not only because of sins, but also for the sickness and for the disease. That is the reason why the scripture will say in Psalms 103, verse 2 and 3, Bless the Lord, O, o my soul, who forgive all thine iniquities and heals what? All your diseases. Not forgive some of your iniquities and, and, and heal some of your diseases, but all your diseases, all your iniquities. It didn't say the little ones or the big ones. All, say all. Now Isaiah, <laughs> Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 and 5 says, Oh, Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. He, he was bruised because of our sickness and our disease and our pain. And by his stripes, you were healed. And it, and it flips sin and sickness, both in the same context, because it's the same sacrifice for them both. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his own body on that tree. That you being dead to sin might live unto what? Righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. So this sacrifice of Christ. Now listen to this statement. The sacrifice of Christ is the singular authority for all healing. For all healing is, all, has, is every healing that has ever taken place. Old Testament, present tense, New Testament at any time is on one basis. It's the sacrifice of Christ. More specifically, it is because of Jesus' stripes. Now, why am I mentioning this? Because if you don't have a fundamental understanding 
and the understanding is not there, then you wouldn't know how to take the actions, how to apply the sacrifice with confidence and faith. And then the moment the symptoms show up, you're going to back off. Are you with me? All right. So the sacrifice of Christ is the singular. You see, in the Old Testament, when they were killing the bull, the blood of the, when they were having the blood of the bulls and goats, and people were being healed in the Old Testament, or even in the people that Jesus healed in his ministry. When Jesus healed people underneath his ministry, he had not yet gone to the cross. But what was happening? They, they were being healed on credit. They were being healed looking forward to the fact that Jesus is eventually going to come, bear their sicknesses, carry their infirmities, and he's going to take those stripes in his back, and by those stripes they would be healed. So they were healed on credit of what was going to happen. That is why Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5 says, By his stripes we were healed. We are present and healed, but then now, 1 Peter 2, 24 is going to look backwards to the cross and said by his stripes we were healed so whether you're talking old covenant or new covenant past present future the centrality the basis for healing is by his stripes you were healed and that's the sacrifice that's an element of the sacrifice okay now jesus there's a piece of paper. Anyway, Jesus healed them all. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Can I ask you to pause for one minute? I want to read you some scriptures that speaks about the fact that Jesus healed them all. Just give me one moment. Was that fast? All right. (laughs) Jesus healed them all. Now, you see, you need to know that because the devil has a way of trying to make people think that what they're dealing with, their situation is unique. Their situation is is different. Yes, God healed this one, or yes, God healed that one, but is he going to heal me? I'm the one that's not going to get healed. My situation has been around for too long, or this, that, or the other. Jesus healed them all. Now, let me just, okay, let me give you a few scriptures. This is just a few, just a few. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. Now, actually, yeah, it says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. And then it goes on to say, And he healed all that were sick. All that were sick. That it might be fulfilled what was spoken by, the, by Isaiah, the prophet, in Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. That he himself bore their sicknesses and carried their infirmities. In other words, Jesus healed all of them as a proof and as a fulfillment that what Isaiah said is indeed so. Are you with me? But how many did he heal? He healed them all. Matthew chapter 12, verse 15. And when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from, from there and great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. Just to give you a quick idea, when the, when the, when the, when the Bible speaks about the loaves and fishes that were multiplied and the scripture says there was a multitude and it, it tells us that there were 5,000 men alone, not counting women and children. If you add on women and children, it would probably be about 15,000. 
But, but so we know a multitude is at least 5,000. And, and based on what we see, we could put it at least 15,000. Well, listen to this. When Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there and great multitudes, not just multitudes, but great multitudes follow him and he healed who? He healed them all. Irregardless of what their spiritual maturity was or wasn't, he healed them all. Hallelujah. Another example, Luke chapter 4, verse 40. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases, various diseases, brought them to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And it is implied that he healed them all. Luke 6, 19. And the whole multitude, multitude again, sought to touch him. For power went out from him and heal them all. So don't you let anyone tell you that there is no, that Jesus didn't heal them all. That's not true. He said, but what about his hometown? Well, he healed the ones that, that came for healing, but they were so offended at him, they did, a lot of them didn't come and ask for healing. Yeah, are you with me? Number five, Luke 9 verse 11. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him. And he received them, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who had need of healing. He said, well, that was Jesus. Well, what about Peter? Acts chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. So that they brought the sick out into the streets, laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them, also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, and they bring sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Not most of them, they were all healed. The scripture teaches that when the, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, where they were in bondage for 430 years, and they were slaves. Slaves aren't treated well. And there was a whole multitude of them. It was probably a million of them. And when they came out, a million of them. I mean, that's, 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 the, that's the size of a large, of a good-sized city. A million of them. That's more people than they live in this city that we're in. And the scripture says in Psalms 105, verse 37, that God brought them out with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble among them. None of them was weak. They were all healed. And none of them was weak. A million. Can you imagine all of this city? Not one person was, was sick. And why was that? Because before they left Egypt, God had told them to, put a, to, to kill a lamb, which was a type of the sacrifice, put the blood upon the doorpost. And they ate the lamb, and they put the blood on the doorpost, which was a sign of, which was a symbolic of the sacrifice of Christ. And they partook of that, and guess what? They were all healed. We're going to get to that in a moment, that, that the sacrifice of Christ is the provision for you to be healed of anything whatsoever. Glory to God. In fact, let me show you another verse of Scripture, one that you may not be familiar with, but in Isaiah chapter 33 and verse 24. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Isaiah 33 verse 24, and the inhabitants will say, they're going to say, this is in the Bible, the, the, the inhabitants will not say, I am sick. The people who dwell in it will be forgiven their iniquity. Why? You see, iniquity, 
sins and sickness go hand in hand. None of them are going to say they're sick. Why? Because they're going to be healed. Why? 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 Because of the healing that has been provided. So, what is the point? The point of the matter is sickness and disease is a direct result of the fall. But I want to make this point just before I switch gears a little bit. Now listen to this. Sickness and disease is because of the fall. Sickness and disease is not just because you had a broken leg or you have a cyst or you have a growth. That might be the physical manifestation of it, but hear this statement. I'm, a, I'm about to make a statement. You got to capture this. This is so important. The root of sickness is spiritual. And because it is spiritual, sickness, sickness came because of the fall. Because it is spiritual, medicine, medical science can only manage and address the illness in the physical realm. If it is something they need to cut out or they got to do this or whatever, that's all they can do is in the physical realm. And thank God for doctors. Don't get me wrong. Because the doctors, without doctors, many would have, would have died before they could receive divine healing. But that's all they can do is, this, is deal with the physical realm. And now that's the very reason why. How many times have you ever heard someone had cancer? And what happened? It goes into remission. Time goes by. And then you hear it comes back. Why is it it come back? Because the root was still there. The root was still there. They cut off the limbs, cut off the tree, cut off the trunk. But the root was still there. And it sprang up back. Amen? Jesus cursed the root of the fig tree. And I tell you, that fig tree didn't spring up back. <laughs> Amen? In other words, then, what I'm saying is that sickness, illness, disease... The root of it is that it is spiritual. Therefore, the true answer for it is the sacrifice. It's spiritual. All right? Now, now with that, let's look at this point. Why then is the sacrifice the answer to all sicknesses at any level of any sort? Why is the sacrifice of Christ the answer? I'm going to give you five reasons why the sacrifice is the answer to any sickness of any sort of any dimension. Number one, if the sacrifice did not fix every curse or every consequence of the fall, if the sacrifice of Christ did not fix every consequence of the fall, which includes sickness, then it would mean that what the devil was able to accomplish in the first Adam would be greater than what God was able to do with the second Adam, Jesus. It would mean that there were some things the devil accomplished and God says, well, I'm sorry, you guys got to live with that. I can't do nothing. That was too much for me. And it would mean the sacrifice of Christ was not perfect. It should have been better. Well, the sacrifice of was perfect. So there is no consequence that comes from the fall that the sacrifice does not fix, and that includes sickness and disease. For that reason, it says in first epistle of John, chapter 3 and verse 8, in the King James, it should say, He who sinned is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. 
that he might destroy the works of the devil. That he might destroy those things that came into the human race because that the devil caused because of his interaction with Adam. The Amplified says, um, the reason the Son of God was manifested, made visible, was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works the devil has done. The devil is the one that is behind sickness and disease. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, and he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed to the devil. Jesus came to do what? Destroy, to undo, to, to, to loosen, to, to dissolve the works of the devil that the devil had done. Amen? So, first reason why I'm saying the sacrifice of Christ is the answer to sickness is because if it isn't, then the devil would have done a bigger job than God did. But God did a greater job in Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. Number two, Jesus said it is finished. Capture this. Jesus said it is finished in John 19 verse 30. Question, what was finished? What was finished? Well, in John chapter 17 and verse 4, Jesus again speaking, he says, Father, I have glorified you here on this earth. I have finished the work, the assignment, the work which you have given me to do. I have finished it. The work. What work? The works of the devil that he came to destroy. I have overcome the consequences of the fall. Are you with me? Now, you know the scripture says Jesus was the word made flesh. Jesus was the word wrapped up in flesh. Jesus was the living manifestation of the word of God. Now, hear this. A scripture we're familiar with. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, God says, my word shall not return unto me void. But it will what? Accomplish that which I please and it will prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. So Jesus is that word and God says his word, Jesus will not return void. Once he returns, it's because he's accomplished what I sent him for. Did Jesus return? Did Jesus return? Did he return to the Father? Therefore, he must have accomplished everything that he came to do. That's the second reason. That's why Psalms 107 verse 20 says that God sent his word and he healed them and he delivered them from their destruction. You got to get a hold of it because you see, remember we were talking faith. Faith, you, when you, you, you know how faith works. You know how to listen to that hearing and ignore the next four senses. Well, it's the same thing. You, what you're doing is you're listening to what faith says is happening in the realm of the spirit and you ignore the voices from those five physical senses that want to suck you into doubt and unbelief. You see, here is a, let me give you a marvelous faith secret. Philemon 6. It says the communication of your faith 
becomes effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing that is in you in Christ. When you acknowledge what you already have in your spirit, when you acknowledge greater is he that is in me, when you acknowledge I'm the righteousness of God, when you acknowledge the joy of the Lord is on the inside of me, when you acknowledge he's given me peace that passes all understanding, when you acknowledge that the healer lives on the inside of me, when you acknowledge that by his stripes I were healed and I am healed, when you acknowledge that I am a partaker of the nature of God. The glory of God is in me. Because Jesus says, Father, the glory you've given me, I've given them that they might be one. The scripture says in Philemon that your faith will work, it will produce, and it will be effective if you will just acknowledge. Own up every good thing that is in you. Well, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Amen? God sent his word and he healed you. And he delivered you from all your oppression. That's the second reason why what? Why the sacrifice is the answer to any sickness. Number three. The sacrifice of Christ reconciled everything, everywhere, visible and invisible, to God's original intent. As if the fall never took place. The sacrifice of Christ caused everything in the realm of the spirit to be aligned to how it would have been as if sin has never been. When you're talking about as if sin has never been, the nice sophisticated word is called justification. Justified. Just as if sin has never been. Okay. Colossians 1 verse 20. And by him to reconcile. That means bringing harmony. To reconcile all things to himself by him, whether they be things on earth or things in heaven. And we can add from back in verse 15, visible or invisible. To reconcile all things on earth and in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. So this reconciliation that, that is called peace because of what? The blood of the cross. What do you mean the blood of the cross? The sacrifice. So the sacrifice has purchased this peace. What is this peace? This peace comes from a Greek word, E-I-R-E-N-E. And that means to be set at one again. Which is consistent because reconciled means to be come in harmony. Harmony with what? God himself. He came to reconcile everything to himself. In other words then, by the blood of this cross... There's a supernatural divine peace, not just, not just wholeness, not just nothing broken, nothing missing, not just shalom, but, 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 but this, this word, um, peace, everything reconciled to God's original intent as if sin has never been. What did that? The blood of the cross, the sacrifice reconciled everything that includes sickness and disease. Amen? All right. Number four. Why is the sacrifice the answer to any kind of sickness? Number four, and I think this is kind of neat, but you're going to have to really pay attention to this one. Because of the sacrifice, I'm going to make this, no, let me do it this way instead. In John chapter 5, it says, I'm going to just read this. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethsaida, having five porches 
And in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool. And that angel was an angel that came from God. It wasn't the devil doing this. He don't heal nobody. <laughs> for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. You can read the rest of the story, but I want to read that verse again. This merciful act of God that would cause an angel to come and stir the pools of the water this pool was such that this stirring, what happened? When this stirring of the water took place, whoever, say whoever, whoever stepped in, stepped in after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever. Whoever was healed of whatever. Here is my point. Because of the sacrifice, whoever can be healed of whatever. All right. Now, listen. Now, as I said, this part, you got to pay attention, okay? It's a little bit different. But stay close. All right? Stay close. <laughs> All right. Now, Psalm 103. Say whoever. Whoever can be healed of whatever. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities and who heals what? All your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with love and kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Now, why is it? Why is this wonderful? Forgive all your iniquities, heal all your diseases. Why is this? Upon what authority? Why is this? Heal all your diseases. Verse 6. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. As I hear the word justice in the context of healing, I can hear healing is the children's bread. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, ought her not to be healed from this infirmity on the Sabbath? Anyway, so why? Why heal all their diseases? Because the Lord executes, God does this, execute righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Now, first of all, we talk in righteousness. We live on to righteousness. By whose stripes we are healed, it comes with righteousness. First Peter chapter 2 verse 24. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for who? For all. Say all. All who are oppressed. All who are oppressed. The sacrifice, whoever can be healed of whatever. All who are oppressed. Now, who is the oppressor? The devil. Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And I was talking about sickness. Now, let me explain this here for a minute if I can. You know, if you were working in some particular plant, and it turns out that there was some kind of asbestos or something like that, and then several people end up with some kind of lung disease, some sickness or disease because of this environment they worked in. And so, rather than them each trying to 
get a lawyer and go to court, they all come together and they, they file what's called a class action lawsuit. And they get a lawyer to represent them all. And then they go to court and they argue the case and the judge listens to the case and he says, uh-huh, all these people are sick. All this sickness came because they worked in this environment and the company that owns this, they're the ones responsible. So he gives a judgment in the favor of those people. Irregardless of whether those people had bad habits, whether they were wicked, it doesn't matter. But the, the justice says, these people are the responsible for these folks' illnesses. In other words, the justice says, the devil is responsible for these that have been oppressed. And therefore, I rule in their favor that they must be set free. I'll execute righteousness on their behalf. So what is the point? So healing, which comes through righteousness, God says, these people were oppressed by the devil. They were inhaling that, 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 that asbestos. They were inhaling that cigarettes, whatever the case might be. And the company that is behind it, they're responsible. So I am going to judge in their favor. What is my point? In other words, this scripture says, the Lord executes righteousness and justice for who? All who are oppressed. That comes right back down to this fact. Whoever can be healed of whatever. Amen? Romans 8 verse 10 says, Halabakata. Why is the sacrifice? Why is the sacrifice have such power? Why is the sacrifice the answer to any kind of illnesses? Well, Romans 5 verse 18 says, Therefore, as by one man's offense, judgment came to all. This is Romans 5 18. By one man's offense, judgment came to all, resulting in condemnation. Condemnation is sickness. It's condemnation. Sickness is condemnation against your body. A building is condemned saying, we got to tear that building down. It's not fit to live in. Sickness try to make your body not fit to live in. You understand that? So what happened is, by that one man offense, judgment resulting in condemnation came against, came, came upon us. This sickness is condemnation against your body, not for, that is, say your body is not fit to live. Even so, the same way that judgment, that condemnation came against the human body because of that one man, Adam sin, Romans 5.18, so through one man's righteousness, which is Jesus, through one man's righteous act, the free gift has come on all men, resulting in what? Justification of life. Which means what? A right to life. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. God so loved the world, he sacrificed his son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And this life is wholeness. This life is the God kind of life. This life does not have sickness and disease. No wonder it will say in Isaiah 33 verse 24, because of their sins be forgiven and everything else, no one is going to say in that city that I am sick. Because the price has been fully paid. Let me put all. Let me put. Let me put Romans chapter five verse eighteen in a different spin. Listen to this statement: Judgment came because of what the first Adam did, but it left because of what the second Adam Christ 
what he did, which is the sacrifice. Are you with me? The sacrifice is the answer. Now, can I give you this? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. I remember some time ago when I was asking, Lord, Lord, show me. Show me. Show me how I could find the sacrifice in the Bible. Because there's only about three or four verses that even use the word sacrifice. Show me. Well, over time, and then he began to show me. Obviously, John 3, 16. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That's the sacrifice. Romans 8, verse 32. He that spared not his own son, how shall he not with him also freely give you all things? That's the sacrifice. But then he showed, he showed me one of these things he gave me is this. He said, when you see the word through, T-H-R-O-U-G-H, ask yourself, does that mean, um, does it, in other words, does, does it mean by virtue of? And then if it does, we're talking about a sacrifice. So we have 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, which says, thanks be to God, which give us the victory. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Thanks be to God who has given us the victory by virtue of what Jesus has done. Well, what has Jesus done? The sacrifice. So thanks be to God who gives us and has given us the victory through the sacrifice. Victory over what? Anything. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. How? Through the sacrifice. We are more than conquerors. Over what? Whatever. How? Through the sacrifice. Are you with me? The sacrifice is the answer to anything. But here we're talking about sickness and disease. Because the sacrifice is what Jesus, what God did in Christ to put everything back into place the way it would have been if the fall never took place. Number five. The sacrifice of Christ is the power of God. Mm-hmm. Is the power of God unto salvation. Romans 1 verse 16 said, um, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I have confidence in this sacrifice. I have confidence in this good news. I have confidence in this sacrifice. Because it's the power of God. It is the power and the ability and the enablement of God that produces what? Salvation. Salvation includes healing. Amen. First Corinthians, First Corinthians 1 verse 18 calls it the preaching of the cross. To us, it's the power of God. What? The preaching of the cross. What's that? That's the sacrifice. Why? Why is the sacrifice such power? Why is the sacrifice such power? Well, let's go on to Romans 8 verse 1 verse 17. Verse 16 again. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the sacrifice. I have full confidence in the sacrifice because it's the power of God. God power unto salvation, unto healing to everyone that believes. Why? Verse 17. Because therein, in this sacrifice, the righteousness of God is revealed. Oneness with God is revealed. The authority of God is revealed. The rightness of God is revealed. Right standing where there is no condemnation or guilt or judgment is revealed. I rest my case. <laughs> five reasons, just five, why the sacrifice is the answer to any sickness or any disease. Now, let me just share this with you. Job chapter 33. Now let's say someone has a very dire situation. Very dire. So sick. 
That every breath they take could be the last breath. They're not taking breath in the same way that we do. But what are they taking a breath? <sighs> so that every time they take a breath, you don't know if it's the last one. That's how close they are to death. Is the sacrifice of Christ an answer? Job 33, I'm just going to read a few verses. Verse 19. Man is also chastened with pain on his bed and with strong pain in many of his bones so that his life abhors bread and his soul succulent food. You know, when people get very sick, food don't taste good anymore. His flesh wastes away from his sight. He begins to lose weight and his bones stick out which once were not seen. Once he was a muscle man. Now all of a sudden the bones are sticking out. Yes, his soul draws near to the pit, that's the grave, and his life to the executioners. If there is a messenger, God says, for him, a mediator, one among a thousand, that would come and show that man God's righteousness, that would show that man the rights that he has. Remember, this righteousness that is available to him, God will produce, what, what was the scripture in Psalms 1? In Psalms 103 and verse 6, that he performs righteousness and justice for the one who are oppressed. So if someone will come to this man and say, look, Jesus, by his stripes, you can live on to righteousness, by his stripes you are healed. God has already placed this on Jesus. God has from the ransom. You don't have to stay in this state. You've got a right to this, not because of your goodness, but because Jesus has paid the price. And there is the power and authority of God that is... If someone will come and reveal unto this man God's righteousness. Where am I at? Verse 23. If there is a messenger for him, a mediator, one among a thousand, that will show that man that is so close to death God's righteousness, then God will be gracious to him. And God will say, deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Well, that ransom is Christ. That ransom is the sacrifice of Christ. God says, because of this ransom, because of this sacrifice, he does, my justice says, I can deliver him that is underneath this oppression facing death. And his flesh shall be young like a child, and he shall return to the days of his youth. Glory to God, hallelujah. And he shall pray to God, and he will delight in him, and he shall see his face with joy. For he restores to man his righteousness. Hallelujah. In other words, there is no sickness or disease that is beyond the reach of the power of the sacrifice. That's what Paul says. I am confident. I am not ashamed. I know in whom I believe. I'm not ashamed of this sacrifice. It is the power of God. And then he will go on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, man, I didn't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom. I didn't come to you with fancy speech. But the reason why I came to you with trembling and the reason why I came to you in the way in which I did is so that your faith might not be in the wisdom of men, but in that power of God. What is the power of God? The sacrifice is the power of God. Are you with me? All I'm saying is one message today. The application of that sacrifice is your answer for whatever sickness or whatever disease. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. So then, how do you apply the sacrifice of Christ? How do you apply it? in general, 
to make your healing manifest. Now, last week, go back and listen to last week's message. We dealt with each of the eight elements and how you could apply each one of them individually. I'm not going to do that, but I believe you're serious. You're serious about your healing. You're serious about living in divine health. Go back and listen to last week where we're going to break down each of those eight, how you could apply it. Right now, I'm going to give you a general overall application of the sacrifice. Number one, what must you do? Number one, you must believe the sacrifice and you got to mix it with faith. Hebrews 4 verse 2 says the gospel preached even though they heard it. It didn't profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. The word preached, the promise preached, the sacrifice that I'm preaching, it was not mixed with faith. You see, you can believe that this water will quench your thirst. And it will. It has the capacity to quench your thirst. But it will not quench your thirst if you don't mix it with faith. If you don't mix it with action. Are you with me? So you must believe the sacrifice and mix it with faith. Now, you got to believe the sacrifice. Now, let me give you this in a snapshot. And this will help your faith. The secret, one of the secrets of faith is, like I said, acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ. Here's another secret of faith. You ready for this one? It is the revelation that it is finished. It is finished. Now capture this very quickly. When God placed Adam in the garden, did Adam have to go plant the garden? Did Adam have to make the trees grow fruit? Did Adam have to construct a little river nearby that had gold and, 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 and jewelry? No. God had prepared the garden, planted the trees, make the trees grow. God had had a nice little river nearby. And if you check it out, there was gold in that river. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> right, all of that stuff, and the, and the Bible says good gold, right? and it also speaks about some pearls and some other jewelry and stuff. Here is my point God placed Adam in the work that he had already finished. Now, for you and I, God has placed you in what Jesus has already finished. Are you with me? Healing is a finished deal. But you got to believe that. Why? Because it is a faith that it might be by grace. Romans 4 verse 12. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And you got to believe, when you come to God, you must believe that he is. Yep, I believe he's God. I believe he's him. But you must also believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So number one is the fact that you must believe the sacrifice, and you must mix it with faith. You are in the finished work of Christ. Everything that Jesus did in his sacrifice was done with you, and it was done for you. You were in a sacrifice. Again, go back and listen to some stuff last week. I'm going to, I have to move on. So when you pray, what do you do? So when you pray, the scripture says, believe you receive it. And you shall have it. When? When you pray. When is when you pray? When you pray. When you pray is when you come to the blood. By the name of Jesus. Into the presence of God. Into the throne room. Into the holiest of holies. Into that place where you're blessed with every spiritual blessing. In that place where all your healing is sitting there waiting for you. 
All you got to do, you're not here to create it. You just come boldly to the throne of grace that you might obtain and that you might find what's already there. So when you pray, believe you receive it. You receive in the realm of the unseen realm. And that's what faith is for. And you shall what? Have it. You have in the physical, natural realm. But if you don't receive, you can't have. So you got to believe. Believe you receive your healing. And don't, and, 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 and believe you receive it. And when you come out of there, don't let the five physical senses talk you out of it. In other words, what do you do? Hold fast. And through faith and patience, you obtain the promises. What do you do? They that love is salvation, that love is healing. Psalm 70 verse 4. Say continually, let God be magnified. You come out of there, and while the symptoms are still staring at you, while there is still pain, you declare, Jesus is my healer. By his stripes I am healed. Yesterday, two days ago, I went to that place of prayer, and I believe I received my healing, and I took it, and I lost one. I want to thank you, Lord, that your healing power is flowing in my body. The scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Don't let the devil do all the talking. Don't let your symptoms tell you what to say. Let the word of God tell you what to say. Let the blood tell you what to say. Amen? And then, what else do you do? So number one, you got to believe the sacrifice and mix it with faith. Number two, execute the authority in the name of Jesus. Now listen to this very specifically. This is a how-to now, okay? The general application. Number one, you use the authority of the name of Jesus and you speak from the place of ascension. Remember, for those that are born again, you've been given authority in the name of Jesus. And not only that, you are ascended with Christ. So you're seated where? In heavenly places. Where? Far. Far above principalities, powers, devils, dominions, sickness, disease, and whatever the circumstances are. So you speak with authority in the name of Jesus from the place of ascension. And number one, what do you speak to? Speak to the root of the problem. If you know what the illness is, speak to the root of it. Jesus, there was this, the woman that was bowed over for 18 years, Jesus saw that the root of it was a spirit of infirmity. So he said, so he put it, he said, he said, loose, be loosened from that spirit of infirmity. You're dealing with some kind of illness, and, a, and, a, and especially by the discernment, you know what that is a demonic spirit. In the name of Jesus, you spirit of cancer, go, I command you, you spirit of infirmity, I break your power. And I like to, even if you don't have the discernment personally, this is me. I just take authority over that spirit and infirmity just in case. Make sure that the devil is not there. And then after that, then what do I do? Where do I use? I use authority in the name of Jesus. And I'm speaking from the place of ascension. A, I speak against the spirit of infirmity. And then I also speak to the sickness. Speak to the sickness. Speak to the headache. Speak to the virus. Speak to the lungs. Speak to the illness. If that illness have a name, then the name of Jesus is above it. You speak to it. You let it know. First Corinthians 6 verse 19 and 20 says, My body is the temple of the living God, and you've got no business in my body. I command you, go, be destroyed. Get out of my body. My body is to glorify God. Sickness don't glorify God. You got to have that kind of mindset. You got to have that kind of attitude. Why do I talk like this? I talk like this because I want to see, I want for there to be an impartation of this spirit of boldness and aggression and violence against the works of the devil to get a hold of you so that you can know how to talk 
Because you see, it's the mouth of the righteous that shall deliver him. Proverbs 12, verse 6. The fervent prayer of the righteous is what makes much power available. The one that's going to operate in the oneness with God. And the righteous doesn't say, Jesus, come down, come down. Jesus, come up. No, what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. The righteous is bold as a lion. And where the word of a king is, there is power. Speak to the mountain. Speak to the demonic spirit. Speak to the sickness. Curse it in Jesus' name. And number three, command your body to obey the word of God. That lungs ain't working properly. Lungs, I command you, work like you're supposed to. Immune system, I command you. You be empowered with the power of God. Immune system, you be strong and fight off every disease, every virus. You be strong with the power of the Holy Ghost. You command it. You command your body. Organs, I command you to work right. And especially when you found out from the medical science that maybe there is a problem with this gland or there's a problem with that other gland or this minor, minor, this minor organ, whatever it might be, pancreas. In the name of Jesus, come, I command you. Oh, you're not using the right amount of blood sugar or whatever. I command you to produce right. Heart, I command you to function. At the, at the, at, at, and if you know specifics, speak it. Cells, I command you to be, you know your cells are supposed to reproduce. Well, I command you, I want new cells in Jesus' name. You got to get wild with your faith. Talk to your body, you've got authority. God says, let us make man in our own image. Having our nature, having glory, and in our own likeness. And let them have dominion. When you're speaking from that place of the, of the image of God and the likeness of God and the glory of God and the nature of God. And from that place of ascension and righteousness. You got a right to talk like this. Are you with me? Hallelujah. And then number four. Release healing power. Oh, kashalaba. I got to get this one out and then I'm going well, and, and I'm pretty well done. Release healing power. From where? From inside your spirit. You're born again, aren't you? Well, the word of God says that your spirit is life because of righteousness, because of that oneness. The same life in the vine is in the branch. The sap in the vine is in the branch. You and Jesus is one. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. When God gave you Jesus, he freely gave you all things. And the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in the inside of you. You've got all the divine healing power that you could ever need inside your spirit. All you got to do is get it to flow. How does it flow? Like a river. Remember it says in John chapter 7 verse 38, for them that believe, out of your belly shall flow what? Rivers of what? Living water. What do you mean rivers of living water? Well, in, in Revelation chapter 22 verse 3, it speaks about this river that comes out from the sanctuary of God. And wherever this river goes, according to Ezekiel 47 verse 9, wherever this river goes, where there was sickness, there'll be healing. Where there was death, there will be life. And that is the same river that you have on the inside of you. And is flowing out of the sanctuary. What sanctuary? Your body is the temple of the living God and you have you are the sanctuary of God. You are God's dwelling place and the river flows. So what do you do? Release that river. How? With your mouth. The scripture says in Psalms 46 and verse 4, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. You are the city of God. It says that in Isaiah 60 and verse 14. 
You've got the life of Christ in you. Romans chapter 5 verse 9 and 10, 10 Romans chapter 5 verse 10 says that while you were, I mean, while you were a sinner and you were an enemy of God, you were reconciled to his debt. Well, how much more now that you are born again? You're a child of God. You're not an enemy of God anymore. How much more shall you be saved by his life? Healed by his life. Glory to God. So what you do? You activate that river. Romans 8 verse 2 says, The law of the spirit of that life in Christ makes you free from the law of sin and death. So what do you, you see? There is power in your mouth. Where the word of a king is, there is power. Are you a king? You are a king of kings and you are a lord of lords. No, you're not a lord of lords. You are not king of kings. You're a king. He's the king of kings. You, you are lord. He's lord of lords. He, you are a king and a priest unto God. So what do you do? In the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, I thank you. Out of my belly flows rivers of living water. And I thank you that life, that same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead, that is within my spirit, quick as my mortal body. And I release that life to flow into every cell, into every joint, into every organ. And wherever it goes, healing takes place. I thank you. The light in me is greater than any darkness. And wherever the light shines, the darkness cannot comprehend it and stand it. It has to flee. And then number five. Act on your faith. Act healed. As best as you can. Act healed. Hold fast to your confession. Going back to when, you know, talking about, about life, speaking the life. When I broke my leg in 2010, and the x-ray said there was a gap like this in the bone. You can't walk on a foot when, the bone in the middle, when there's no bone in there. And when I had an appointment scheduled for, uh, for a whole bunch of surgery on the 26th of May, 2010, during the hours talking, I, I did a several things. It's, I can't tell you whether it's this or that or that, but I was doing a lot of talking. And one of the things is I would speak to that in the name of Jesus. Bone, I command you, grow back. Bone, grow back, I said. I'm talking to you. Grow back in Jesus' name. Bone, grow. Two weeks before I went and had that, uh, that surgery, they checked it. Nah. Bone still there? No, no, gap still there? When I went there for the surgery, the bone had grown back. Today, I, I, have, I have no metal, no nothing in this foot. All right? Praise the name of the Lord. What's her name? She's not here today, Marissa. Marissa, this was when, before the wedding, July or August or something, was born, she's in her late 40s or something like that, or early 50s, was born with an extra disc in her back. An extra disc. You know, it's one thing to ask God to create something. It's another thing to ask him to remove something. And guess what happened? Right here, right here, prayed for her. Right? Of whatever we were praying. Come, come to find out later, and she, she's not here today. She went to the doctor. The bone, the disc disappeared. She don't have any hit anymore. Lawrence was sharing about a testimony that happened last Friday night. You can share it after we finish. Right? But what, what am I saying? There is a river. And wherever that river goes, where there was light, where there was darkness, there'll be light. Where there was death, there will be resurrection. Glory to God. So, act on your faith. Act heal. Try to stand. Try to move that limb. Push up out of that wheelchair. And abound in thanksgiving. And maintain your confession. Hold fast to your confession without wavering. You've got a great high priest. Hold fast to your confession, for he is faithful at promise. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
Now, I'm going to mention this right now, right? Later on, on the, starting on the 21st of June on the Zoom Bible study, we're going to be starting a whole set of teaching in the area of healing. And at that time, we're going to deal with some specifics. How do you deal with something that is terminal? How do you deal with something that is hereditary? And all that kind of stuff. At that time, we're going to get into more specific. Because sometimes you need specific strategies. But what I've shared with you today, first of all, you don't have to be sick. You apply these things, and especially with last week, you, can, you don't have to be sick. You apply it and stay well. And if you do have sickness, apply it and get rid of it. Amen? Now, I'm going to close, but let me close by saying this. Philippians chapter 3. Reading from verse 18, I'm going to paraphrase this. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now I tell you even weeping. They are enemies of the cross, whose end, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, for which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Let me take this, paraphrase it, and put it in the context of a teaching. Verse 18. For many walk, so it is say, for many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now I tell you even weeping, they are enemies of the cross. Don't be an enemy of the cross. Embrace the sacrifice. And then what happened? Embrace the sacrifice. Don't have your mind set on earthly. Don't be walking according to the natural. But set your affection on the things which are above. The way it is in the realm of the spirit. Look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Where your citizenship where your conversation, your thinking, your believing, let it be lined up with heaven. From which is where you're looking for the savior of your body. Jesus himself to show up and manifest. And when he does, he will transform this physical body and make it conform to his body. We are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. He himself will rise up. The scripture says that he himself will exhort power. And he will subdue anything that is that to himself. In other words, when you begin to embrace the sacrifice and you let your thinking, your believing, and your speaking, and your conversation be according to how it is, according to that sacrifice, according to how it's settled in heaven, Christ himself that lives on the inside of your belly will rise up. And he will rise up. And if there's anything trying to get a hold, some infirmity, he himself will rise up and he will crush it. He will subdue it and make it obey him. Amen? That's the word of God. Father, we give you thanks, we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor. Lord, I am reminded that there is no good thing that you will withhold from the one that walks uprightly. There is no good thing that you will withhold from the one that will walk correctly in the gospel. In the truth of the gospel. There is no good thing that you will hold. From the one that will walk correctly. In the sacrifice. So upon the authority of the sacrifice right now father. I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. The one that might be dealing with some kind of infirmity. Whatever it is. I have spoken your word and this is your word. And you back up your word. So no matter what that infirmity is, Lord, we have learned today that whoever can be healed of whatever. 
So in the authority of the name of Jesus, I come against every spirit of infirmity. And I command you to loosen my brother, to loosen my sister in the name of Jesus. Literally. I break your power in Jesus' name. I speak to that infirmity. I speak to that sickness. I speak to that disease. Whatever your name is, the name of Jesus is above you. And I command you, bow to the name of Jesus. You infection, get out. Whatever the label of that name, diabetes or whatever it is, arthritis, whatever it is, I command you, bow to the name of Jesus and get out of their body. Multiple sclerosis or whatever, go in the name of Jesus. Back you be straightened in the name of the Lord Jesus. Pancreas, you function like you're supposed to. I speak to the organs in their body in the authority of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of the blood and by the power of the Holy Spirit. I speak and I send the word of God for your healing and I command every organ, every cell, every system within your body, obey the word of God and function as God had designed you to be. I command according to the authority of justification, just as if sin has never been. Be healed in the name of Jesus. And Lord, for those that are already born again and are children of God and the Holy Ghost is dwelling on the inside of them, I connect with them right now. And I speak that river that is in them to come alive. I speak that river that is in me and I, I release it. Let that river flow right now and let anointing, let healing, let it flow in their body. Let it flow in their cell. Let it flow in their joints. Let it flow throughout the entire being and let it bring healing in the name of Jesus. And I pray for the one that might not be born again. Because the ones that Jesus healed, they were not born again. And Lord, your word tells us that you declare righteousness and justice for all that are oppressed of the devil. They, that sickness is an oppression of the enemy. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And I speak healing to them. Be made whole. Receive your healing now. And just say, thank you, Lord, I receive my healing. And then you begin to do what was difficult. Maybe the arm was stiff. You couldn't lift it up above your head. Lift it up above your head. Maybe you were sitting in a wheelchair and you couldn't get up. Begin to push up right now. Begin to do whatever you couldn't do in the name of Jesus. Begin to do it. And then as you come out of this time of prayer, hold fast to your confession. Thank Jesus for being your healer. Keep declaring by his stripes I'm healed. And watch the power of God. So that what you receive when you pray, you shall have in the physical realm. In the name of Jesus. Now if you were if you were on today and you were never made Jesus the Savior and the Lord of your life. Well, there's good news and there is bad news. The good news is that if you're not born again. You were still crucified with Christ. Buried with him. Resurrected with him. Ascended with him. And washed in your blood. That's the good part. The bad part is if you're not born again. You don't have a right to the authority in the name of Jesus. Nor do you have the life of Christ in you. Nor is the word of God and the promises of God, yes and amen, they don't belong to you. But you can change that right now. And you can get the entire package of the sacrifice of Christ by receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord. That way your eternity is secure and insured, but also you receive the power of God into your life 
where you can live in victory in every area. So just say this with me right now. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you were raised up from the dead. You are the son of God. You are God. And you did die for me. And you are alive. Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. I receive you as my savior. I receive you as my Lord. And I surrender my life to you. I want to live for you from this day forward. I receive your power to live for you. Now, Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, I pray the seal of the Holy Ghost will come upon that one. I pray the peace that passes all understanding will bubble up so that they know they're being born again. And I pray, Lord God, you will lead them and guide them and they will find a good church. A Bible teaching and a Bible believing church with proper leadership. And that they will begin to read their Bible and talk to you in prayer. Reveal yourself to them in an ever-increasing measure and cause them to be established in Christ, established in truth, and established in righteousness. They are now your children, and they are to be taught of you, and great is to be their peace. Father, I thank you for doing it in the name of Jesus.